Well, I'm glad to welcome Elijah and uh, Zodwa here today. Elijah and Zodwa are um, from a, a church called God Embassy in Kwasakeli. And we've become friends over the last number of months and feel like God is putting us together in some significant ways for our city. And so I said, come on, Elijah, come and share your story and bring a message uh, for Fountain Vineyard. And so it's delightful to have you guys come up here and, and, and uh, share with us this morning, if you would. Um, <coughs> Zodwa, come with your man, man. Come and stand with him here. Uh, and they're going to just introduce themselves firstly, and then I'm going to hand over to them. To there we go. Thank you, Pastor Pete. So appreciate you guys coming, huh? We really do, huh? So tell us about a little bit about your life, and then you can give us the word. Go for it. Thank you very much. Good morning. Good morning to everyone, to the leadership of the church, and to the congregation at large. My name is Elijah Tiso. This is my wife, Zodwa Tiso. She is from Cape Town, and I am from East London, in the rural part of East London. Uh, but I've lived uh, part of my life in a township called East, uh, in Tanzania, mm. yes. Uh, so this is my uh, brief story. Uh, I grew up in a Christian family, where my family from my father's side were staunch members of Anglican Church. So my mom gave us no choice but to be at church every Sunday and be part of the Sunday school and youth. Up until I was at the age of 12, then my mom and my dad got divorced. So we had to go and live with our grandma, uh, who never been, who've never been to church. So as we were staying with our grandma, uh, nobody uh, forced us to go to church. Nobody encouraged us to go to church. So we decided not to go to church and play with other boys. Uh, and then over the weekend, I would go to my aunt's place in Tanzania uh, to see, to visit my two sisters that were staying with our aunt in Tanzania. Uh, as we were there, as I was there in Tanzania from Fridays until Sunday, I would go after school Friday to Tanzania, come back on, on, a, on a Sunday evening for school on a Monday morning. So there were a lot of gangsterism in Tanzania at that time. So in order to fit in as well, uh, I joined uh, gangsterism or gangsters. I became a gangster. Then when I went back to my village, there was no gangsterism in my village. I formed one. And I became the leader of, of that one. Uh, I managed to get a gun. And I was the only one in the village in those days to have a gun. So we'll be moving around, fighting with other, other boys, and even terrorizing the community. And I got arrested for shooting one of uh, the guys. Then uh, I was no longer going to church, and I, I was there in, in prison. And, and I saw how young people, young boys like myself in prison were ill-treated, were being abused. But by the grace of God, God protected me for some reasons. And when I came out frustrated, uh, I went to the tax rank, and there was a, a new church that just arrived in South Africa from South America. Uh, they were there in one of the buildings in, in East London, tax rank. As I was frustrated, even thinking about committing suicide, uh, because the case was, was not over yet, and I was told by the magistrate, if we find you guilty, and I knew very well I was guilty, 
uh, you will be sentenced not less than 15 years in prison. So that frustrated me a lot. Then I went up to investigate what was the sound or the noise about in this building. Uh, lo and behold, it was a church service. Still remember, it was Monday morning, full of young people. Even pastors that were preaching the gospel were young themselves. And I felt at home immediately. When they made an altar call for people to come and accept Jesus, I came forward and I accepted Jesus. Then I went back home. But the problem is now I, my grandmother could not afford uh, money for me to be coming to church every weekend because I was in the village and the church was in town. And this time I wanted to avoid anything to do with Mdansano, so I wanted to stay in my village. Uh, so because of the lack of money to go to church on Sundays, I stopped going to church again, went back to my old life, uh, and I got arrested for the second time. It is when I got arrested for the second time that I made a vow to God that if God can take me out of that place, I would give my life to him again, and this time around I will never look back. And by the grace of God, the church I joined in town where I gave my life to Jesus now came to open its branch in Danzani, in the township. Now I said to my grandmom, can I please, with your permission, go and live with my aunt? Because there is a church that is opened next to where we stay. It was about 45 minutes walk to where I was staying. I was staying at zone 13, and the church was at zone 17. And my grandmom said, no, you can go. So I started attending the church there in Danzani, gave my life to Jesus afresh, became very radical in my faith and my walk with God, I started serving. A um, few years down the line, they have uh, sent me to a pastoral school where I would learn to become, study to become a pastor in that denomination. Uh, that was uh, late, uh, late 90s, I think late 1999, when I went up to Joburg and I've been moving around with that church, preaching the gospel uh, all over South Africa. We've been in all the nine provinces of this country. We've preached in almost every town or every city in this country. We were there for 15 years serving that church up until God said we must leave uh, for certain reasons that I don't have time to divert on now. Then we left the church. I was listening to a YouTube message from Fountain Vineyard, and it was uh, Galvin uh, speaking. And I heard him saying there was a time that he said, uh, I don't have to take this anymore. I'm enough with the church now. I'm not done with God, but I'm done with the church. And I don't want to speak to anyone about it. I don't want to go anywhere to speak to anyone about what uh, the frustration that he was going through because of uh, ministry. We were at that point for three years when we left the church that we served for 15 years that we both joined as teenagers. We left that church uh, heartbroken. We left that church being bitter with the church and bitter with God as well. But we, we made the choice that we, we will still go to a, 
good church, Christ-centered church, the church that preaches the Bible. But we don't want to do any, to, we don't want to have anything to do with serving God, being called pastors or carrying Bibles. We just wanted to go to church fellowship. After the last prayer, we go home. So I've done th we've done that for three years up until God really worked in us again and put that desire and fire back in us to preach the gospel. And after three years in the wilderness or in the desert, if I may say, we came back to start the ministry where we are. It is by the grace of God. He has restored our faith. He has restored our marriage because also in that season, uh, things were very difficult between the two of us. Uh, we were fighting a lot every day. Our health was not good at all. We were taking a lot of strain. And remember, we came to that church uh, from school. We had no experience. We had no work experience, nothing. So we stayed there for 15 years. And they used to say, you came here with nothing, so you will also leave with nothing. So when we left, we left just like this, with our small suitcases, not knowing where to start. Life was very difficult, far from home up there in Johannesburg. But God has been faithful to us up until we both found uh, jobs and started working. And, but the biggest breakthrough happened when we say once again, yes to Jesus. We will serve you. We will follow you again. So this is our story, guys. And we, we met Dave through the breakfast meetings that are happening in the city. And he asked us to share our story. I don't know if you want to add anything. I know Pastor Dave will say I must add. Uh, good morning, everyone. <laughs> uh, I think because of time, he had to summarize uh, the testimony. But it's deeper than that. And I just want to uh, uh, say just two points of like the reasons why we left uh, the church. When you joined the church, uh, we had to leave everything. If you are at school, you are not allowed to go to school. If you are working, you have to resign. If you have business, you have to surrender everything in the church. So you need to focus in doing the ministry, moving around South Africa, Africa, wherever they send you. And we're still very young, and we love God. We wanted to serve. All in our minds that we wanted to do is to serve. That was just before we met. We were still single. And then we met, we got married, we moved around. But another thing that uh, was really, really an issue for us pastors were advised, sort of forced, but not really. It was not a gun. They did not put the gun in our heads. Uh, they advised uh, pastors to do vasectomy. You're not allowed to have a child because your child will limit you in doing the work of God because they send you anywhere at any time during the year. So you have to take out the child from school. So we did a key went and did a, a vasectomy. So that's one of the things, it, it's a lot, there's a lot of things that happen and we decided that, okay, then if there was God, if God exists, why did he allow us to join the church at such a young age? 
uh, we say it's a church, but really if <laughs> the church is doing those things to uh, human beings, then you wonder. And that's when we decided that we don't want anything to do with ministry. We don't want to serve. We don't want the church. And uh, when he decided now he wants again to go into ministry, uh, there were fights between us because we did not know any other church as we were not allowed to read other books. We had to read the books of the uh, party, that church. We were not allowed to watch any other church from the TV. So the only church that we knew is the church that we grew up from. So now when he said he wants to do ministry again, it was a problem for me. And I said, no, I am not going there because now we had to start, mind you, you don't have a house. Let me not say a house, not a spoon, not a cup. You don't have anything that belongs to you. Everything that is in the church belongs to the church. As he says, when you leave, you leave with nothing. So the, we stayed for 15 years. There were times that we wanted to leave, but you think, where are you going to go? You don't have experience. You, you left school. You don't have a house. You, you, you don't even have like anything. Where are you going to start? But I believe that uh, as the Bible says, even if you have a faith as a mustard seed, it works, you move, you can move mountains. That small faith within us worked for us. And then when we decided again to go back to God and surrender our lives to God, then really God restored our lives. Mm. As he says in the book of Jeremiah 29, verse 11, for I know the plans, uh, I, I have a plans for you to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and future. Mm. Even though we lost hope in our journey, but then the plans of God still continued to work. As we were walking, we did not know that these plans are working in our lives. We had no hope, but God had plans to give us hope. Mm. That's our story. Amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Why don't you stand for a moment, turn around, greet somebody, just for a moment, give them a chance to orientate themselves, get ready for the word. And uh, thank you so much. Eh? All right, guys, grab your seats again. We're going to get in the word. Elijah's going to preach a message. What a great introduction that was, eh? So take your seats. You can carry on the conversation over tea and coffee a little later. Thanks, Elijah. Over to you. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Amen. I think, I think that we need to change things and let him come and preach in my place this morning. <laughs> Amen. Amen. 
I was invited the other time to go and preach in one church in Cape Town, and they said to me, uh, do you have slides? I said, brother, I'm from Guazacan. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do slides yet in Guazacan, and maybe in the future uh, we will. Uh, I want to preach on the book of Acts, chapter number 4. We'll be reading from verse number 32. Acts chapter number 4, we'll be reading from verse number 32 to verse number 33. Before I preach, let me say to Dave and Colleen and also the leadership of the church, we don't take it lightly, the fact that you have invited us here to share the word of God. We really appreciate it. We really feel honored. And thank you very much for also welcoming us uh, in this church. You are really showing to us that you are a true church of God. For the Bible says, welcome one another in Christ Jesus as God has welcomed you. So thank you very much for welcoming us. And I believe that God will bless us this morning. I want to preach on a theme called unified in purpose. Unified in purpose. When we look at the scriptures, uh, like in the book of John chapter 17, from verse number 21 to verse number 23, we see Jesus calling his disciples and praying over them. But what is interesting for me, it is the prayer that Jesus made for the disciples. He said, Father, I pray that they will become one as you and I are one. So I also pray that they will also be one with one another. Unity to God, especially unity of the church, is a big deal. And if the unity of the church is a big deal to God, it should be a big deal to us as Christians as well. A church that is united is a very powerful church. A church that is united is a prayerful church. And where there is unity, the Bible says in Psalm 133 that God commands a blessing. So we, we have to follow that prayer of Jesus so that as a church, with our, with our diversities, with our different backgrounds, we must find a common ground, something that unites us as a body of Christ. So in Acts chapter number 4, we see the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ being answered. In John, he prays for the unity, the oneness of the Christian, of the early believers. But when we go to the book of Acts chapter 4, it, it actually begins at Acts chapter 2 on the day of the Pentecost. Where we saw people coming from different races, speaking different languages, coming from different nations coming from different cultures. They were together under one roof, 
And all they were doing was just worshiping God. Up until the Holy Spirit came in a form of the tongues of fire and rested upon those who were in the house. There were about 120 people that were worshiping in that house. And the Bible says as the Spirit enables them, they began to speak in unknown tongues. And those that were watching were surprised. But are these not people from Galilee? Why are we hearing them speaking our native language? Why are we hearing them speaking in our own mother tongue? Because there were different nations, different people under one roof, but they were united. So are, are we as the church, up until we discover the reason for our existence, we will become or will remain a church Without focus, without foundation, without encouragement, and without vision in life. So the early church in the book of Acts were unified in purpose. What was the purpose of the church? It was to preach the gospel to the poor. It was to preach the gospel to the unsaved and make disciples for Jesus Christ. That should be a purpose that unites us as the church. Up until we know why we exist or what we exist for, we will remain a divided church. And a divided church can never overcome the enemy because the enemy, when they come to attack, they come in unity. Let's go to Acts chapter 4, verse 32 and verse 33. It says, All the believers were united in heart and in mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had, the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessings was upon them all. There were no needy people amongst them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those who were in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one apostle nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the feet of the apostle. So what we see here is the results of the prayer that Jesus made over the disciples. The apostles came together. The believers came together. And all of them were doing different things. But they were united by one thing. The purpose. Why do we exist as a church? What is the reason for our existence? I think Matthew 28 verse 19 gives us why we must exist as a church. 
that we need to go to the uttermost parts of the earth and preach the gospel. And whoever believes in the gospel of Jesus must be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit for repentance. And we must make disciples of every nation and teach them how to obey the command of God. I think that should be enough to unify us as a church and say the reason for our existence is purely the preaching of the gospel to the nations of the earth and the making of the disciples. Amen? Now, what was the secret of, 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 of this church? Because when we look at this church, it was the church that brought a lot of people to salvation than the church that existed after them up until today. When they started, there were 120. And the Bible scholars predict that uh, in the first 25 years of this church existence, they brought over thousands, I mean over 100,000 people that came to believe in God. Because these people were united in the preaching of the gospel. These people were ready to go into the mission field and preach the gospel into nations that were broken, into people that were lost. So we as the church as well, we must know that if we are to become a church that is effective, a church that makes a difference, we must go out and preach the gospel to the lost. What was the secret of this church? Number one, they had unity in the church of God. They were united. All the believers, they shared everything they had. It was not just the idea of the apostles. It was not just the idea of the eldership team. But every believer... They were united behind the purpose of the preaching of the gospel. To be one in the mind, to be, to be, to be one in the heart and mind, it means even though we are different, we are coming from different places, we look different, we speak different, we like different things, but we must find something as a body of Christ that unifies us and bring us together so that we can be an army that cannot be shaken or defeated by anyone. So the church here, they were united. Number two, when they came in church, they found friends in fellowship. They came from different places as strangers who did not know one another. But when they came to church, they understood that we are no longer strangers, but we are friends in fellowship. That means as you are in the church, it must be my business and your business to make sure you know other members of the church. 
We are in, in, in we, are, we we become friends. We become close to one another. We we get to love each other as if we are blood siblings. That's what we found here. The Bible says nobody claimed that any of his possessions belongs to him. They shared everything they had equally amongst themselves to a point that there was no way you could tell that one is unemployed, that one is employed, because they shared everything equally. What compelled them to do that? It was the love of God. The Bible says there was a man in Genesis 5, there was a man called Enoch, and the Bible doesn't say much about Enoch, but it says this thing that for me is very important. It says Enoch was 65 when he had his first son. And then he started walking with God at the age of 65. And he further walked with God for 300 years. He's walked with God faithfully for 365 years until he died. Now, when you walk with God, you begin to develop intimacy. And when you are intimate with God, he begins to reveal his heart. So he knew the burden in the heart of God. So this church were walking with God. And that is why in their walk with God, they could meet the, the, the immediate needs of each other. It was not about one person having everything, but it was about what I have is, uh, is ours. It belongs to us. Let us share it. Let us spread the love amongst ourselves. That's what Christ prayed for. Number three, they were family in relationship. They were family in relationship. Church is not just a gathering of like-minded people. Church should be the gathering of families. Where we come together, we are brothers, we are sisters, we're there for each other, we love one another. I love what Dave did, calling people who believe in God for breakthroughs at workplace and said it is not just about praying for them, but it is also leaving something on the, on the altar and planting a seed into their lives. What is that? That's family. Strangers don't do that. But only family look out for each other. And that is exactly what God wants us to become. Not just to come for one hour session and after that we go back to our own places. Not even caring for the needs of the people that are right in front of us on a daily basis. They were unified in purpose. That purpose was preaching the gospel to the poor. They were not just friends in fellowship. They were not just family, but they were also partners of the vision. The Bible in the book of Luke speaks about Jesus taking his disciples to preach the gospel, and there were ladies that followed. And one of them was Mary Magdalene, in whom he took out seven demons. And the Bible says, these women, these women 
they used their resources to finance the ministry of Jesus. So when we are family in the church, we, we may not all be called to ministry. We may not all be called to go to the nations and preach the gospel. But your support, your partnership, your resources, your finances, if they are released in order to support the mission and the vision, God will bless you for that. Why? Because he sees that we are united as a church. We are burning with the passion. We are burning with the desire and the fire to see the gospel preached everywhere. He must be preaching cities and townships, in villages, in slums, in, 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 in everywhere. As long as there are human beings, the gospel must be preached. All that we need as a church is to be united under the great commission of going out there and preach the gospel. The question is, are we standable? Are we an apostolic church that says we have done well here, but what next? There are territories to be taken. There are people who are needed. There are resources that are needed. Let's go behind the vision and save the world for Jesus. Thank you very much, church. May God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Tim. Let's pray. Let's just think for a moment with our heads bowed and our hearts before God of the significance of the discovery that God loves us. He's called us as a father that we would become his sons and daughters. We who are not a people have become his people. What a privilege. Think about where we would be had we not experienced his call. We are grateful, Lord. We're grateful for the gospel. Thank you for the good news that you, while we were yet sinners, loved us and made a plan on the cross and by the empty tomb and by the outpouring of your spirit that we should become a new humanity, become your people. So thank you, Lord, for the power of your gospel at work in our lives. Thank you for that. We're so grateful. So grateful, Lord, that you have saved us from what we were and brought us to what we can become. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, by your spirit, would you just show us people that you would like us to be sent to? I love that phrase that we just heard. Are we ascendable people? Who in our circle of life and friendship, relationship, would you send us to? Would you want us to love and not to go preach at, but to demonstrate your gospel to them? To touch them with the touch that comes from you, Lord. We cannot, we cannot, with blessing, stay as we are and keep this amazing 
good news of extravagant, reckless love to our souls. There are others that need it. We do not do well. I feel like the Lord wants to open us up. If we will pray as he says we should in Psalm 2, 8, he says, Ask of me and I will give the heathen for your inheritance. There are unsaved people, people that don't know the Lord, that are lost and broken. That if you ask him, he'll send you to them. and He'll make a way. Before we depart here, I just feel like God would have us to be even more specific than what I've just been praying about. Um, and if you haven't wandered, if you haven't walked closer with the Lord, and you've wandered away in some measure, this is your time. This is your time for a return. And I, I'm going to ask for, for people who like to have a fresh fire of God lit in their hearts and a clearer vision of what it means to be uh, a son or a daughter of God. I'm going to ask you to to stand for prayer in a moment, and I'm going to ask Elijah, who is moving strongly evangelistically in God Embassy in Kwasakele, and uh, is bec- he's becoming a son of, of the body of Christ in the city. And we know African Floppy was raised in a similar way, and is carrying a very dynamic message, and, and Elijah, I believe, is you being raised by God for such a time as this in our, in our city. And the first thing that needs to happen is uh, we need to have our hearts set on fire, eh? John Wesley talked to himself as a brand plucked from the burning. Uh, God wants to do a fresh thing and set a fire in our hearts for him. And we cannot pander around. I love those opening comments about in your introduction even about church wounds, church hurts. We dare not fall into the demonic trap of the bitterness and resentment and unresolved offenses. We're not perfect. Eh? Uh, how many agree with me? And those that didn't raise your hands, may God help you. Give you grace. The perfect ones that didn't raise their hands. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll get a letter from you this week. But be blessed. <laughs> and I love when you come and introduce yourself. Eh? You've been 20 years you were offended. 20 years ago, you still have some of that with you, but you said, but you decided to come home again. Eh? Isn't that amazing? Eh? I think it's awesome. God's got something for you in this time. Why don't you stand with me? If you have some music come up here, some music just to give us some background music. It just helps us to stay focused on what we're doing and not be too self-conscious. And it helps us. Thanks. Uh, this is an amazing guy, this, eh? Give this guy a hand, man. He's been faithful over a long, long time, eh? Appreciate you, eh? Yeah. Who feels like there could be more fire of God in your heart than what you have right now? Do you feel like it could be? Could be for you? Come up here. Come and stand here. I'm going to pray for you. Elijah's going to pray for you. If you nodded or you winked or you said yes, come here now. You don't get the fire by, by walking away from where the flames are. Come and step into that place. If you feel like your, your, your heart could be more on flame, on fire for God than it is right now, and you, and you want that, and you want to be uh, anointed, because Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem till you've been endued with power, dunamis, power from on high. And the word he used, dunamis, is uh, the same word from which we derive our English word, dynamite. So if you're willing to be God's dynamite for His kingdom, for the explosion of His gospel across our city, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, and I want you to come up here, because Elijah, you come here, man. I'm going to ask you to pray an anointing on these people, and we're going to see God releasing evangelistic gifting. That isn't just because you've had a, a, a demand put on you or something like that, but because a fire has been lit in your belly. And like Jeremiah says, it's fire in the belly. And flames of fire were on their heads on the day of Pentecost. 
Lord, we're going to ask you to do that right now this morning. I'm going to, we're going to pray for you. Come and stand. Anyone else wants to join the line specifically to be uh, in, uh, inflamed by God and uh, be willing to then be used by Him from an inner motivation, not because somebody comes and just talks about evangelism and you think, I better go and I ought to do this, but because it comes from an inspiration in your heart. We want to lead by inspiration, not obligation. Anyone else? Just come and join the line. We're going to pray in a moment. Eh? Fire, fire, fire. Thanks, Elijah. Pray. Thank you, Dean. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for these wonderful people, men and women, who answered, Lord, the call, and they came forward, Father. Would you please release your anointing over each and every one of them. Would you fill them up, Father God, with your spirit, that when they leave this house, Lord God, this morning, they will leave this house, Father God, with a zeal, with a passion, with a desire, with a hunger to witness, Lord, to the lost and to win the lost for your kingdom. Father, I pray that your fire, the same fire that came over your people, Lord, in the night of the Pentecost. May it also fall once again in the lives of your people. Your word, Lord God, says you never changed. You are the same yesterday, you are the same today, and you are the same forever. Lord God, we pray for these men that are here, Lord God, that are saying, I'm answering the call to ministry. I'm answering the call to go out into the lost people and witness the gospel unto them. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you take away from them the spirit of fear and timidity. And I pray that you give them, Lord, the spirit of boldness in order to go for the God in the byways, in the street corners, in the complex, in the malls, in the societies, and preach your gospel, my Father, in the name of Jesus. We pray that whomsoever they preach Lord to, they talk to about the gospel, would listen to them and they would come for the God to the faith and they will follow you God. In the name of Jesus, some of the men and women that are standing here Father, they used to burn with the fire to save souls. They used to burn with the desire, the hunger to do ministry Lord. And stuff happens along the way. Be Bitterness entered their hearts, oh God, and they moved birth. Father, I pray for the restoration, Lord, in their hearts. Restore their desire. Restore that fire one more time. Restore that passion, Lord God, in their hearts. In the name of Jesus, regardless, Lord, of where they come from, regardless of their age, regardless of anything else, Lord God, I pray, Father God, that you will restore them that will revive them. Holy Spirit, no man can do this. Only you can. Do it, Lord, one more time. Do it one more time. Fill their hearts with fire. Let the fire for evangelism, let the passion, the desire to witness, Lord God, to the lost come back, Father God, in their lives one more time. We thank you, Lord, because we know it has been done in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. God bless you as, we go, as you go forth and expect the fruitfulness of, of the Spirit of God working through the lives of many, many people.